the Lord gave me this for our church. And uh, I felt like the Lord was saying, if there's anybody who's facing a problem, facing something really big, really bad, really ugly, whatever. Or if you just feel overwhelmed because of a problem, if you feel insignificant, if you feel uh, inadequate, insecure, this is a word for you. Everybody listening? Are you ready for this? This just blew my socks off. Exodus 4, uh, 10, God was talking to Moses, and he was saying, I want you to go and speak to Pharaoh. And this is what uh, Moses said. He said, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. In other words, he begged God, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I can understand that. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words just get tangled. This is what he was saying. God, I know you told me you want me to go and speak and, and do this, but he says, I'm just not sufficient. I can't do this. That's like, he's Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet. And I just, I just can't do that. I just can't do it. Something really, really big. Maybe you've been facing, maybe you're not going to be speaking to something's really, really powerful, but maybe you just feel like there's something big that you are facing or that you're going to face this year. Listen to God's response and his antidote for feeling not enough. Are you ready for this? This is in Exodus chapter 7, verse 1. Listen to this. So the Lord said to Moses, so number he says, I heard what you told me, but now you listen to me. The Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. Man, I heard that. I saw that, and I just went, Wow. He said, I've made you as God to Pharaoh. I don't think you heard that. He said, I made you as God to Pharaoh. He says, you think Pharaoh's way up here and you can't talk to him. He's really big. But he says, no, it's the other way around. I made you like God to Pharaoh. And Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. So this is what the Lord wants you and me to know today. Are you ready? Any problem, any circumstance that you face in 2019 or any year, God's saying, I've made you God to that problem. Holy cow. I made you God because I don't know about you. When I've faced, I've had some problems I've faced in my past. And, man, it just seems like I've made a little, you know, it was a little molehill. And I made it into Pikes Peak or Mount Everest, you know. And I was underneath the mountain. It was so big. There was no way out. God, you can't get me out. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know the way out. This is just really big. And it's just really bad. You tell somebody, they go, oh, it's going to right. No, you don't understand. It's, it's really bad. I mean, it's real bad. It's worse than bad. It's really bad. And this is what God's saying. When you do that, you're making the problem bigger than me. He's saying, I have made you God to the problem. That's huge. It just changed your whole mind thinking. You got a whole new mind mindset now. It's because you think, I am God to the problem. Now listen to me. If you know Moses' past, how many know it wasn't really good? For those who didn't, maybe forgot, he was a murderer, okay? He was a murderer. And God is saying, I've made you. He didn't say, you've worked hard enough and you've done good enough. And so now you're in a position where I can make you God to Pharaoh. No, God made him that way. So he's basically saying, it wasn't anything to do with you, Moses. 
You see, a lot of us, we think we're good out of our problem of our situation, you know, because if we've been doing good and we're doing right, we got every I dotted and we've crossed every T and we've read our Bible and we fasted and we pray and we've made, we never forget church. But if you do all these perfect things, you think, now I'm in a position. God says, that's not the position. The position is in me and I will make you get to that place. Moses was made to be God. So what God is, and that's Old Covenant, by the way. Exodus is an Old Covenant, Old Testament. Old Covenant. God's saying in the New Covenant, he says, listen, Mike, every problem, every circumstance that any believer faces, any believer faces, I, will, I have made them God over that problem. Whew. Y'all ready to go home now? I mean, we could just go home after that. Not. Anyway. Today's title, I didn't, that was before the message. You ready for the message now? Today's title, I came up with this message, so if, if you don't like it, you take it up with the secretary or somebody besides me. But anyway, life's not a scratch ticket. <laughs> this is hilarious. I thought I'd get a lot more. First service, they laughed a lot more. But anyway, I don't gamble. I've never bought a scratch ticket. Do you know what a scratch ticket is? Everybody know what a scratch ticket is? You know, you go to the store and you give them five, ten, I don't know, five, ten, twenty, hundred bucks, and, and then you get it, and then you scratch to see, see if you won. You scratch it and scratch it and scratch it. You know, you've got an itch, you've got to scratch it, but you, you scratch it to see if you won. And I was thinking about this message about hope and everything, and it just came to me. Life's not a scratch ticket. You know, because those tickets are so unpredictable. There's nothing. It's just... 100% by chance, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, 99.9999% of the chance, it's nothing. And I just was thinking about how a lot of Christians live their life, and it's kind of like a scratch ticket. Is this going to be a good year? <sighs> Am I going to receive my healing? my husband going to love me better? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. 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 And a lot of Christians, are, it's just a lot of luck. We just, oh, I hope so. And I just, just, just hope we're lucky. Hope we're lucky. Hope we're lucky. No, that God wants you to know. After today's message, you're going to know it doesn't matter. Life is not a scratch ticket. You're going to not forget this message. <sighs> Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 7 and 8. Then Moses called to Joshua and he said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong, courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall give it unto them as an inheritance. Now this land is full of lions and tigers and bears. I mean, it's giants. It's an enemy. And he says, I'm taking you into this land. So he says, I want you to make, you know, be strong and courageous. Verse 8, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. Did you hear that part? In other words, God's already been in 2019 before you and I ever get there. He's already been in 2020, 2040, 2060. He, and matter of fact, he's not just been there. He's there now. He's there now. I know your brain goes, what? I mean, he's in 2020 right now. 
He's gone before. He says, I am the Lord and I am the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Whoa, that's powerful. I studied that word dismayed because I thought, don't be a fear. Don't be a fear. Don't be a fear. Amen. And everybody in Kentucky said, amen. <laughs> don't be a fear and don't be dismayed. You know what dismayed means? It's not just, oh, you're, you're, you're sad or anything. It means when you see the opposition is greater than God. In other words, you see the problem bigger than God. The circumstance is bigger than God. He said, don't be dismayed. Don't ever let, for a believer, that should never happen in your life and my life. Ever. Why? Because most people say, oh, well, is cancer bigger than, bigger than God? Most Christians go, no, pastor, no. Is unemployment bigger than God? No. And fill in the blank, whatever it is. We would say no. God wants you and me to know today that you should never be dismayed because the greater one lives on the inside of you. The greater one lives on the inside of you. So you should never be dismayed. You should never look at a problem with the mindset that it's bigger than God. No, you are God to that problem. It's like the 5,000-pound canary going, here, kitty, 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 kitty. Did you get that picture? 5,000-pound canary saying, here, I'll draw it for you next week. But anyways, you don't, you don't have to worry about the enemy, no matter what it is. You don't have to be concerned about any problem. Are you going to face problems? Absolutely. You are. But what are you going to focus on? I mean, there, there are going to be problems just like, you know, the disciples had problems when they walked with Jesus. Jesus said, well, you know, we're going to go to the other side. Let's get in the boat. And they got in the boat. And halfway through their journey, they come into this, I mean, horrible storm, terrible storm. I mean, they're professional fishermen, which means they understand storms. They understand weather being out on the sea. They, they are professionals, and so they knew that we are now in a life and death situation. And the Bible says the boat was full of water. I've said this many times. I'm not a Navy guy. I, I'm not a Navy guy at all. But I do know one thing. When a boat's full of water, it sinks. I learned that in school somehow. But anyway, it, it sinks. The Bible says their boat was full of water, but it's still floating. Why? Because Jesus is in the boat. So no matter how serious it looks, I mean, the, the disciples thought they were going to die because it, this is a bad storm. We're going to die. You know, I, and I, I've, when I was in the Air Force, you know, I've flown in all kinds of storms. I mean, bad storms, scary storms, storms that I just thought, man, you prayed, you, you did everything just to make sure everything's covered because you thought, man, we could go down. This is bad. This is really, really bad. And then when I fly commercial, you know, you fly commercial, and there's, you know, a couple of, you know, bumps like this, and people go, I go, honey, this is nothing. This ain't, no, this is nothing. 
I was refueling an airplane one time. My whole body, you know, you, you're laying in the back of the plane, refueling another plane, you know, flying that thing. And so my whole body was on this platform, and it would just go, shroom, shroom. I mean, I come off the three feet up in the air, my whole body go, boom, flat down. People go, wow, man, did you get sick? I go, no, you can be too scared to even get sick. <laughs> I know that feeling. But anyway, so I've been in some storms. Kind of like those, those fishermen, they understand professionally, you know, this, we're going to die. This is bad. The boat's full of water. But this is the point that God wants you to know. When you have your trust in Jesus, who is your hope, you don't hope in a certain thing. Your hope shouldn't even be in a certain promise. Your hope should be in Jesus, who is the promise of all promises. Our hope is not a thing or an item. It is a person. His name is Jesus. My hope is in him. My hope is in him. And he said, I'm the one who's going to go before you. I've gone before you. And I'm going to be the one who will never fail you. And I'm going to be the one who will never leave you or forsake you. That's the greatest of all hope. That's hope above all hope. He said, that's the hope that you and I have. And so this is what God wants you to know today. No matter how full your boat is, no matter how bad the storm is, if you look to Jesus and you know this is my hope, you will reach your destination. I don't know if that boat was still full of water when it reached the other side. It doesn't really matter because they, they reached their destination. Hope will get you to your destination. It may, your hair may be wet and your clothes may be soaked and your boat may be full of water still, but you'll get to your destination. Man, that's good news. I said, that's good news. And I want you to know that God wants you to focus on the good news. Because what, listen to this, whatever you focus on, you will make room for. Do you know what that means? Your heart, your mind, you make room for what you focus on. I'm going to say something. Hold on to your seat. You know, for decades, the church has focused on sin. Even me, I was part of that. For decades, actually for hundreds of years, we focused on sin. Don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. I said don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. And it's amazing that whatever you focus on, your heart, your mind, We'll make room for that. I got the same response. You think if you do it two or three times, you get a different response. But anyway, this is what I'm trying to tell you. Am I saying it's okay to sin? Absolutely not. Sin to kill you, sin to make you lose your family, make you lose your job, do all kinds of dumb stuff. But I will say this. If I focus on Jesus, my boat can be full of sin and I'll still reach my destination. Why? Because he's a good, good father. It's who he is. It's who he is. And I'm loved by him. Give me a microphone. There's a reason why I preach and not sing. But anyway, my point is this. If we keep focusing on him and on his goodness, you start mentally and, and in your soul making room for that goodness. You make good for it. And Isaiah says, stretch forth the, the, the tent 
pegs, make room, enlarge your habitation. Why? Because the king of glory wants to come in and he needs room inside of your life and inside of my life. You need to make room for his goodness because the church will tell you of how bad it is, you know. And I'm telling you, there are, it just seems like preaching has gone to a new level of doom and gloom. I mean, I don't listen to too much of it, but man, you can flick the channels or you can go on Facebook and it's just like, it's getting really, really dark out there. It's getting really, really bad. It's getting really bad. And it just promotes fear in the church. Am I saying it's not really dark? No, but I do know this. It doesn't matter how dark it is. When the light shows up, darkness leaves. (laughs) It's so good. People, it's, it's getting bad. It's getting really bad. You know, it's really bad when the preacher starts in his hands it's getting really bad <laughs> the gospel's good news which means that it doesn't matter how bad he get God up they, they make it sound like God's wringing his hands up in heaven <laughs> Michael have you seen have you seen what's going on down there I'm not trying to be funny well maybe a little bit but I mean it, it's I don't care how dark it gets. Light is greater than darkness. I don't care how much sickness goes around this world. Healing is greater than sickness. I don't care how much poverty tries to loom and, and knock on everybody's door. Abundance is greater than poverty. My God is greater than everything. And we quote that scripture for Psalm 4:4. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We quote that. And we believe that. And I'd say, but then when a problem happens, we go, oh my, oh my. I didn't know President Trump was going to be in office. <laughs> I tell you what, I think it's an important thing to vote, and I think it's an important thing to, for, uh, to believe God for the best person to be in office, but I do know this. It doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or Republican or an atheist or whatever. That person is not going to dictate to me whether or not I have victory in my life. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Slap yourself. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I personally believe Trump's in office just to turn the world upside down. That's just my opinion. Everybody's not entitled to their opinion. And I have one. You need to know that as far as God wants you to live from a place of victory, not a place of defeat, not a place from woe is me, not a place of, uh, of just total. You know, it's a shame how many, you all, we all know people who once was following God and now doesn't want to have anything to do with God. You can't talk to them about God. They, they don't have any faith in God. We all have people like that. And you know why they're at that place that they are now? It's because of disappointments. They feel like God let them down. They were, they were believing for somebody to get healed and they died. Believing for the husband to come back and he ran off with some cute little thing in a skirt. No, we don't know. We were believing this and this happened. So I, I give up on God. That's because your hope is in something outside of Jesus. Because if your hope is in him, in him, you'll never be disappointed. If your spouse leaves you, you can live above it. I'm just telling you. In my life, in my circumstances, I've had many opportunities 
to be lived from a, a place of disappointment. My first wife was killed in a car accident. My second wife left me. And so, I mean, I, I, I mean everybody thinks you know, you're all pretty and you dress up good. I do, know, I do know one thing. He's been the lily of the valley. I've been in the shadow of the valley of death, and I'm telling you, he has brought me to the mountaintop time and time and time and time again. It doesn't matter what you can do to me, what you can treat to me. When the dust settles, I'm still going to be standing. Why? Because my hope is in him. It's in a person called Jesus. He's the one who's made me the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. He's made me whole in every area of my life and made me victorious because of him, not because of me or anything that's been done to me. Shake my head. I learned that terminology. My son sent me a text one time. It had S. M H and I went S M H. What? What? What does that mean, Dad? Shake my head. <laughs> I still don't get it. But anyway, <laughs> I acted like oh. <laughs> the Lord is. He's just teaching me. He's teaching all of us. If this is your first time here, I apologize. Come back a second service. <laughs> It'll be the same. That's why it's like this every Sunday. But anyway, Melody was reading her daily Bible reading in our living room, you know, early in the morning. So she just says, Man, do you know Joseph? That is just a great story. So we just started talking about Joseph in the Bible, you know, for those who are familiar with it. You know, he was uh, he had eleven brothers that, you know, you may have thought you've had some bad siblings, but Joseph had the ultimate bad sibling. They wanted to kill him. And so they didn't kill him, so they sold him. They thought, let's make some money off of him. So they sold Joseph as a slave. They got money for him. He's 17 years old. He's 17, and he sold into, you know, Egypt. Uh, they had a big clan coming through, and so on their way back to Egypt. So they sold him, and uh, they gave him money. And so he gets back to Egypt and Potiphar. Buys Joseph, brings him in his house, you know, and he, he makes him, he, he must have been good, but I think it's more than good. I believe he was surrounded with the favor of God. I believe he's a picture for what you and me ought to live our life like, which means you can put me in slavery, you can put me in prison, you can put me anywhere, but I'm going to come out smelling like a rose because my circumstances don't tell me who I am. My circumstances don't tell me who I am. Jesus has told me who I am. And I listen to who he says who I am. I don't even listen to Mike. I don't even let Mike tell me who I am. I listen to God. He can tell me who I am a lot better than me or you can tell ourselves who we are. I know that may not make sense to some of you, but it's true. So Joseph had his mind on God and the promise that he gave him. And so from the time he was 17 until the time he was 30, that's 13 years for all you great mathematicians. He's 13 years before the promise was fulfilled. Now, during that 13-year period of time, he was a slave. I studied this, and I couldn't figure it out. Maybe you can figure it out better than me, but I'm not for sure how many years he was at Potiphar's house. It had to be several years because he became a great ruler in, in Potiphar's house. Potiphar, uh, he trusted him to do all of his dealings. 
And uh, you know the story that Potiphar's wife, she thought, you fine looking boy. And uh, so she went after him, make a long story short, Potiphar, you know, she lied and Joseph went to prison. So we don't know exactly how old he was when he went to prison. We know a minimum of two years he was in prison because he, uh, the baker and the candlestick maker and all those people, he interpreted a dream for those guys and he stayed in for two years. He was the bread maker. I know who it was. But anyway, so for at least two years. But the, this is the great thing about Joseph. Prison did, did, did not dictate to him who he was. I'm in this prison, but I'm not a prisoner. And I can prove that because the warden of the prison let Joseph run the prison. He even gave him the keys. Now, you know, Canyon City has a lot of prisons. But I'm pretty sure you can't go to any prisoner and find out if any of those prisoners have the keys to the cells. You know what I mean? That's unheard of. Here's the prisoner, and he's got on his belt, you know, the keys. He's walking around. Everybody goes, who's that guy? Oh, he's, you know, Joseph, you know. Oh, is he visiting? No, he's a prisoner here. He has the keys. He's got the keys. That is tremendous favor. Did you know Joseph was just had favor all over him? It wasn't because, you know, he came from an upper class. It wasn't because of what he did. It was because of God. Our hope is in him. Hope is not just scratching a ticket. Now, I hope I get something out of this. I'm going to do this this year. I hope I get this. Now, honey, there's something more valuable and greater than anything that you could ever dream of. God wants great things to happen for you and me. And listen. And I'm believing for the God of suddenlies to happen. I mean, for 13 years, God, his hand was on Joseph for 13 of those years. Now you think, man, it must have been miserable. I don't think Joseph looked at it that way. I mean, he was, he's a slave, but he's in control of everything. He's in prison, but he's in control of everything. What? He was. And then when he turns 30, one night he wakes up in prison. But before he goes to bed that night, he goes to bed in the palace. That is pretty awesome. It's one thing to get out of jail. It's another thing to exchange your prison garb for the most kingly garb you can put on. And it's one thing to be sleeping in a prison cot. It's another thing to be sleeping in the king's palace. I think it's a pretty big switch. I'm just saying. And that happened in one day, not even 24 hours. He woke up in prison, but he went to bed in the palace. He woke up as a prisoner, but he went to bed as the second most powerful man on the planet. On the planet. Because Egypt was the king. And I mean, of, uh, they were in charge of everything. Pharaoh was the one in charge of everything. Pharaoh sits there and goes, Joseph, I'm going to make you right underneath me. Nobody would be as powerful as you except for me. Here's my ring. The kingdom is yours. Do as you see fit. Wow. Wow. The God of suddenlies. Why? 
I want to tell you why. Because he knew that, I'm, I, well, I hope today's a better day. Bum. I hope this year's going to be a good year. Bum. I mean, no, his hope was in God. His hope was in God. I truly believe that God wants you and I to realize today, are you going to face some things this year? Yeah. But this is what I'm saying to you. God wants you to know that you can be God in that circumstance to your problem and circumstance. Hallelujah. So, it's not just being lucky. Oh, he was at the right place at the right time. Really? Prison? Prison? Oh, really? A slave? No. doesn't matter where you're at. Are you hearing me? doesn't matter where you're at. Every problem this year comes with a promise. Every single problem and circumstance that you face this year comes with a promise. Every lack or situation where you feel like I don't have enough has already been provided for. There's provision already waiting for you. Why? Because God says, I've gone before you. Because I've gone before you, (coughs) I've made a way for you. Because I've gone before you, I've seen what you've needed. Listen to this now. I've seen what you've needed, and I've already provided it for you. You know, Dad Hagemeyer has this about fresh bread, a a message. He taught this probably 30 years ago at Ramah. And I never forgot because he says, aren't you glad when you go to the grocery store, you go, I need some bread, and they don't go, bread? You need bread? Okay, wait just a minute. Get the flour. Get the sugar. Get this. And get all the, and they start making bread. No, they anticipated you needing bread, and therefore they provided it before you needed it, and you just go and get it. God is much greater than Walmart, Safeway, King Supers. He's gone on before, and he says, I know you've needed healing. I got you covered. I know you needed finances. I got you covered. I know you needed peace and joy and kindness and tenderness and faithfulness. I know you needed the fruit of the Spirit. I got it all covered. Everything that you will ever need in life, he says, I've gone on before you. I know exactly what you will need, and it has already been taken care of. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. Let me close with a scripture. Man. You know, when people are hopeless... They're not motivated to do anything. When people are hopeless, they're not motivated to do anything. There's people given, I just read the story yesterday, some ice skater took his own life. Why did he do that? Why do people take that? They feel like there's hopeless, there's no way out. There's no, nobody can help them. But God wants people all around the planet, all around who are watching or in here, there's always hope. Why? Because of Jesus. Listen what he says in Romans 5, 5. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. You know, you hear people say, well, you just use Jesus as a crutch. (laughs) No, no. He's much greater than a crutch. He's the one who calls you to walk when your body says you can't. Romans 5, 5. This is the Passion Translation. It says, this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Did you see that? It's not a disappointing hope. Why? Because it's, it's the love of God that cascades into your life and to my life. If there's any time that you and I feel hopeless, you can rest assured we don't understand how much God loves us. 
If you feel hopeless, you haven't experienced the love of God. If you feel the circumstances is too big for you, you haven't experienced the love of God. You see, for years and decades of my Christian walk with God, I kept thinking that it's because of Mike not being good enough and making myself positioned enough for God to take care of me. And finally, the Lord got a hold of me, and I finally saw what he's been trying to tell me since birth. It's not based upon you, Mike, whether or not I love you. It's not based upon you whether or not I put my favor upon you, my blessings upon you. It's not a matter of anything that you do. It's because you are my child. That's why I provided everything for you. And you don't understand how much I love you. You know, kids, they just don't understand how much love the parent loves them. Can all the parents say, amen? You just don't know how much I love you. And they get in their 20s and they start getting a little glimmer of it. And in their 30s, they get more and more and more. And the older they get, they seem like they love me more. It's kind of not the way with our walk with God. But it shouldn't be that way. God wants you to know as soon as you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, as soon as you accept him as your Lord and Savior, he wants to you to realize how much he loves you. Why? Because your hope will come alive. Your dreams come alive. Love does that to us and for us. It's not based upon you and me. We just need to understand how much he loves us. I prayed this so often for you, for my family, for my church family. I pray this probably every week the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you may know the length, the depth, the breadth, and the height of his love. How much he loves you. How much he loves me. Why? Because it's eternal. You'll never get to the end of it. You go, I understand now. No, you never will. But listen to me. I said I'm closing. I'm really closing. If you start understanding how much God loves you, hopes that have been dead will start to to come into flame things that come alive because you know, understand he's such a good, good father and he loves me so much he loves me so much no matter what circumstance or problem I'm in, no matter if my boat's filled up with water, uh, Jesus is in the boat because he loves me so much and if I can focus, listen to me if I can focus on his love it will make room inside of me If I keep focusing on, I never love God enough. I never do this enough. I never do that enough. It just gets worse and worse. You know, it's kind of like school. Are all the kids downstairs? When I was in school, the reason I hated school is because you had to do this, and the reports do here, and it's just that you got to do it. And I just, when I got out of school, I thought, holy, 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 holy God. No more of that stuff, no more of this, no more of that. You know, it's just there's something in our DNA. When when we have pressure on you got to do this to come up to that, you just got to do this. It's just like, I hate it. When I was a kid, I hate, hated church. There's people watching me. Love you. Back in my hometown. But I hated it. First of all, it was boring, but then second of all, it's just like, do this. All these other 452 things. Do it. I couldn't do them. But I realize if I focus on how much for God so loved you, 
He loved you. For God so loved you. When you focus on that, it opens up things inside of you that you thought the doors, there's many rooms inside of you. There's many rooms inside of you. And when you have the love of God come in, you can't open that door. You can't. But the love of God will open that door and you'll experience a whole thing you've never experienced before. Wow, that's powerful. That's prophetic. Let me tell you, the love of God wants to open doors that you've been trying to open and religion will not open that. Your spouse won't open that. No relative can open that. But the love of God will open that. He's just waiting for you to have your eyes of understanding to see how much he loves you. Let's all stand.